Chapter Thirteen of Mr. Waddington of Wick by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Thirteen, Part One. I hope you realize, Horatio, that it was Barbara who got you out of that mess. Barbara showed a great deal of intelligence but you must give me credit for some tact and discretion of my own mr waddington said as he left the drawing-room was he tactful and discreet his first letters said barbara were masterpieces of tact and discretion before he saw the danger afterwards i think his nerve may have gone a bit whose wouldn't it was clever of you barbara all the same it must have been rather awful going for her like that yes now that it was all over barbara saw that it had been awful rather like a dog-fight she had been going round and round rolling with mrs levitt in the mud so much mud that for purposes of sheer cleanliness it hardly seemed to matter which of them was top dog at the finish all she could see was that it had to be done and there wasn't anybody else to do it you see fanny went on she had a sort of case he was making love to her and she didn't like it it doesn't seem quite fair to turn on her after that she did all the turning i wouldn't have said a thing if she hadn't tried to put the screw on somebody had got to stop it yes fanny said yes still i wish we could have let her go in peace there wasn't any peace for her to go in and she wouldn't have gone she'd have been here now with his poor thumb in her screw after all fanny i only pointed out how beastly it would be for her if she didn't go and i only did that because he was your husband and it was your thumb really yes darling yes i know what you did it for oh i wish she wasn't so horribly badly off well so do i then it wouldn't have happened but how can you be such an angel to her fanny i'm not i'm only decent i'd hate using our position to break her poor back telling her we're waddingtons of wick and she's only mrs levitt it was the handiest weapon and you didn't use it i'm not a waddington of wick besides it's true she can't blackmail him in his own county you don't seem to realize how horrid she was and how jolly dangerous no fanny said i don't realize people's horridness as for danger i don't want to disparage your performance barbara but she seems to me to have been an easy prey you are disparaging me said barbara i'm not i only don't like to think of you enjoying that nasty scrap i only enjoyed it on your account and i oughtn't to grudge you your enjoyment when we reap the benefit i don't know what horatio would have done without you i shuddered to think of the mess he'd have made of it himself he was making rather a mess of it barbara said when i took it on well said fanny i dare say i'm a goose perhaps i ought to be grateful to mrs levitt if he was on the lookout for adventures it's just as well he hit on one that'll keep him off it for the future she'd have been far more deadly if she'd been a nice woman if he must make love only then he couldn't very well have done it barbara said oh couldn't he you never can tell what a man'll do once he's begun said fanny part two meanwhile mrs levitt stayed on having failed to let her house for the winter she seemed to be acting on barbara's advice and refraining from any malignant activity for no report of the waddington affair had as yet penetrated into the tea-parties and little dinners at wick on the hill punctually every friday evening mr thurston of the elms and either mr hawtrey or young hawtrey of medlicott turned up at the white house for their bridge 
if mrs dick benham chose to write venomous letters about elise levitt to old mrs markham that was no reason why they should throw over an agreeable woman whose hospitality had made wick on the hill a place to live in so long as she behaved decently in the place they kept it up till past midnight now that mrs levitt had had the happy idea of serving a delicious supper at eleven she had paid her debts of honour with mr waddington's five pounds the fifty she reserved in fancy for the cost of the chickens and the trifles in the sauterne in mr thurston and the hawtreys the bridge habit and the supper habit and what billy hawtrey called the levity habit was so strong that it overrode their sense of loyalty to major markham the impression created by mrs dick benham only heightened their enjoyment in doing every friday what mrs thurston and mrs hawtrey persisted in regarding as a risky thing there was no harm in elise levitt they said so every friday after midnight respectable householders sleeping on either side of the white house were wakened by the sudden opening of her door by shrill good-nights called out from the threshold and answered by bass voices up the street by the shutting of the door and the shriek of the bolt as it slid to and the rector went about saying in his genial way that he liked mrs levitt that she was well connected and that there was no harm in her so long as any parishioner was a frequent attendant at church and a regular subscriber to the coal and blanket club and a reliable source of soup and puddings for the poor it was hard to persuade him that there was any harm in them fanny waddington said of him that if beelzebub subscribed to his coal and blanket club he'd ask him to tea he had a stiff face for uncharitable people elise was received almost ostentatiously at the rectory as a protest against scandal-mongering and he made a point of stopping to talk to her when he met her in the street this might have meant the complete rehabilitation of elise but that the rector's geniality was too indiscriminate too perfunctory too christian as fanny put it to afford any sound social protection and ultimately the approval of the rectory was disastrous to elise letting her in as she afterwards complained bitterly for miss gregg meanwhile it helped her with people like mrs bostock and mrs cleaver and mrs jackson who wanted to be charitable and to stand well with the rector then in the december following the waddington affair wick was astonished by the friendship that sprang up suddenly between mrs levitt and miss gregg the governess at the rectory there was a reason for it there always is a reason for these things and mrs bostock named it when she named young billy hawtrey friendship with mrs levitt provided miss gregg with unlimited facilities for meeting billy who was always running over from medlicott to the white house miss gregg's passion for young billy hung by so slender so nervous and so insecure a thread that it required the continual support of conversation with an experienced and sympathetic friend miss gregg had never known anybody so sympathetic and so experienced as mrs levitt the first time they were alone together she had seen by elise's face that she had some secret like her own miss gregg meant major markham and that she would understand and one strict confidence leading to another before very long miss gregg had captured that part of elise's secret that related to mr waddington it was through miss gregg's subsequent activities that it first became known in wick that mrs levitt had referred to mr waddington as that horrible old man 
this might have been very damaging to mr waddington but that annie trinder at the manor had told her aunt mrs trinder that mr waddington spoke of mrs levitt as that horrible woman and had given orders that she was not to be admitted if she called it was then felt that there might possibly be more than one side to the question then bit by bit through the repeated indiscretions of miss gregg the whole affair of mrs levitt and mr waddington came out it travelled direct from miss gregg to the younger miss hawtrey of medlicott and finally reached sir john corbett by way of old hawtrey who had it from his wife who didn't believe a word of it sir john didn't believe a word of it either at any rate that was what he said to lady corbett to himself he wondered whether there wasn't something in it he would give a good deal to know and he made up his mind that the next time he saw waddington he'd get it out of him he saw him the very next day ever since that dreadful wednesday an uneasy mind had kept mr waddington forever calling on his neighbours he wanted to find out from their behaviour and their faces whether they knew anything and how much they knew he lived in perpetual fear of what that horrible woman might say or do the memory of what he had said and done that wednesday no longer disturbed his complete satisfaction with himself he couldn't think of elise as horrible without at the same time thinking of himself as the pure and chivalrous spirit that had resisted her automatically he thought of himself as pure and chivalrous and in the rare but beastly moments when he did remember what he had done and said to elise and what elise had done and said to him when he felt again her hand beating him off and heard her voice crying out you old imbecile automatically he thought of her as cold some women were like that cold deficient in natural feeling only an abnormal coldness could have made her repulse him as she did she had told him to his face in her indecent way that love was the most ridiculous thing he couldn't for the life of him understand how a thing that was so delightful to other women could be ridiculous to elise but there it was absolutely abnormal that his vanity received immense consolation in thinking of elise as abnormal his mind passed without a jolt or a jar from one consideration to its opposite elise was cold and he was normally and nobly passionate elise was horrible and he was chivalrously pure whichever way he had it he was consoled but you couldn't tell in what awful light the thing might present itself to other people it was this doubt that drove him to underwoods one afternoon early in january ostensibly to deliver his greetings for the new year after tea sir john lured him into his library for a smoke the peculiar smile and twinkle at play on his fat face should have warned mr waddington of what was imminent they puffed in an amicable silence for about two minutes before he began ever see anything of mrs levitt now mr waddington raised his eyebrows as if surprised at this impertinence he seemed to be debating with himself whether he would condescend to answer it or not no he said presently i don't taken my advice and dropped it have you i should say rather it dropped itself i'm glad to hear that waddington i'm very glad to hear it i always said you know you'd get landed if you didn't look out my dear corbett i did look out you don't imagine i was going to be let in more than i could help why is after the event what mr waddington thought he's trying to pump me he was determined not to be pumped corbett should not get anything out of him 
after what event fanny's called several times but she doesn't care to keep it up neither to tell the honest truth do i why sir john was twinkling at him in his exasperating way why because my dear fellow the woman's going about everywhere seeing she's given you up i don't care said mr waddington what she says quite immaterial to me you mayn't care but your friends do waddington it's very good of them but they can save themselves the trouble he thought he isn't going to get anything out of me oh come you don't suppose we believe a word of it they looked at each other sir john thought i'll get it out of him and mr waddington thought i'll get it out of him you might as well tell me what you're talking about he said my dear chap it's what mrs levitt's talking about that's the point mrs levitt yes she's a dangerous woman waddington i told you you were doing a risky thing taking up with her like that and there's hawtrey doing the same thing the very same thing but he's a middle-aged man so i suppose he thinks he's safe but if he was ten years younger hang it all waddington if i was a younger man i shouldn't feel safe i shouldn't really i can't think what there is about her there's something yes said mr waddington there's something something he wasn't going to let corbett think him so middle-aged that he was impervious to its charm what is it said sir john she isn't handsome yet she gets all the young fellows running after her there was markham and thurston and there's young hawtrey it's only sober old chaps like me who don't get landed upon my word waddington i shouldn't blame you if you had lost your head mr waddington felt shaken in his determination not to let corbett get it out of him it was also clear that if he did admit to having for one wild moment lost his head corbett would think none the worse of him he would then be classed with markham and young billy whereas if he denied it he would only rank himself with old fossils like corbett and he couldn't bear it there was such a thing as doing yourself an unnecessary justice sir john watched him hovering round the trap he had laid for him absolutely between ourselves he said did you under mr waddington's iron-grey moustache you could see the rabelaisian smile answering the rabelaisian twinkle for the life of him he couldn't resist it well between ourselves corbett absolutely to be perfectly honest i did there is something about her just for a second you know it didn't come to anything didn't it she says you made violent love to her i won't swear what i wouldn't have done if i hadn't pulled myself up in time at this point it occurred to him that if elise had betrayed the secret of his love-making she would also have told her own tale of its repulse that had to be accounted for i can tell you one queer thing about that woman corbett she's cold cold oh come waddington you wouldn't think it i don't said sir john with a loud guffaw but i assure you my dear corbett she simply wouldn't talk of making love you might as well make love to to a chair or a cabinet i can tell you markham's had a lucky escape i don't imagine that's what put him off said sir john he knew something what do you suppose he knew something the benhams told them i fancy they'd some queer story rather think she ran after dicky and mrs benham didn't like it don't know what she wanted with him couldn't have been in love with him i will say that for her well she seems to have preferred their bungalow to her own anyhow they couldn't get her out of it i don't believe that story we must be fair to the woman corbett he thought he had really done it very well 
not only had he accounted honourably for his repulse but he had cleared elise and he had cleared himself from the ghastly imputation of middle age repulse or no repulse he was proud of his spurt of youthful passion and in another minute he had persuaded himself that his main motive had been the desire to be fair to elise hm i don't know about being fair said sir john anyhow i congratulate you on your lucky escape mr waddington rose to go of course about what i told you you won't let it go any further sir john laughed out loud of course i won't only wanted to know how far you went might have gone farther and fared worse what he rose too laughing if anybody tries to pump me i shall say you behave very well so you did my dear fellow so you did considering the provocation he could afford to laugh he had got it out of poor old waddington as he said he would but to the eternal honour of sir john corbett it did not go any further when people tried to get it out of him he simply said that there was nothing in it and that to his certain knowledge waddington had behaved very well as barbara had prophesied nobody believed that he had behaved otherwise it was not for nothing that he was mr waddington of wick and in consequence of the revelations she had made to her friend miss gregg very early in the new year elise found other doors closed to her besides the markhams and the waddingtons and behind the doors on each side of the white house respectable householders could sleep in their beds on friday nights without fear of being wakened by the opening and shutting of mrs levitt's door and by the shrill good-nights called out from its threshold and answered up the street the merry bridge parties and the little suppers were no more even the rector's geniality grew more and more christian and perfunctory till he too left off stopping to talk to mrs levitt when he met her in the street part three mr waddington's confession to sir john was about the only statement relating to the waddington affair which did not go any further thus a very curious and interesting report of it reached ralph bevan through colonel granger when he heard for the first time of the part barbara had played in it in the story elise had told in strict confidence to miss gregg mr waddington had been deadly afraid of her and had beaten a cowardly retreat behind barbara's big guns not that either elise or miss gregg would have admitted for one moment that her guns were big colonel granger had merely inferred the deadliness of her fire from the demoralization of the enemy your little lady bevan he said seems to have come off best in that encounter we needn't worry any more about the compact barbara now i know about it ralph said as they walked together snow had fallen the cotswolds were all white netted with the purplish-brown filigree work of the trees their feet went crunching through the furry crystals of the snow no that's one good thing she's done was it very funny your scrap it seemed funnier at the time than it did afterwards it was really rather beastly fanny didn't like it well you could hardly expect her to there's a limit to fanny's sense of humour there's a limit to mine fanny was right i had to fight her with the filthiest weapons i had to tell her she couldn't do anything because he was waddington of wick and she was up against all his ancestors i had to drag in his ancestors oh that was bad i know it was it's what fanny hated and no wonder she made me feel such a miserable little snob ralph fanny did yes she couldn't have done it she'd have let her do her damnedest that's because fanny's an incurable little aristocrat 
she's got more waddington of wickedness in her little finger than horatio has in all his ego and she despises mrs levitt she wouldn't have condescended to scrap with her the horrible thing is it's true he can do what he likes and nothing happens to him he can turn the ballingers out of their house and nothing happens he can make love to a woman who doesn't want to be made love to and nothing happens because he's waddington of wick he's waddington of wick but he isn't such a bad old thing really people laugh at him but they like him because he's so funny and they've taken mrs levitt's measure pretty accurately you don't think then that i was too big a beast to her ralph laughed somebody had to save him ralph after all he's fanny's husband yes after all he's fanny's husband so you don't do you of course i don't what's he doing now oh just pottering about with his book it's nearly finished you've kept it up rather there isn't a sentence he mightn't have written himself i think i'm going to let him go back to lower wick on the last page and end there in his manner i thought of putting something in about holly-decked halls and yule logs on the christmas hearth he was photographed the other day in the snow gorgeous i wonder if he'll really settle down now or if he'll do it all over again some day with somebody else you can't tell you can't possibly tell he may do anything that's what we feel about him barbara said endless possibilities yet you'd think he couldn't go one better than mrs levitt for the next half-mile they disputed whether in the scene with mrs levitt he was or was not really funny ralph was inclined to think that he might have been purely disgusting you didn't see him ralph you've no right to say he wasn't funny no no i didn't see him you needn't rub it in barbara we've got to wait and see what he does next it may be your turn any day we can't expect him to do very much for a little while he must be a bit exhausted with this last stunt yes and the funny thing is he has moments when you don't laugh at him moments of calm beautiful peace you come on him walking in his garden looking for snowdrops in the snow or he's sitting in his library reading buchan's history of the great war happy not thinking about himself at all then you're sorry you ever laughed at him i'm not ralph said he owes it to us he does nothing else to justify his existence yes but he exists he exists and somehow it's pretty mysterious when you think of it you wonder whether you mayn't have seen him all wrong whether all the time he isn't just a simple old thing when you get that feeling of his mysteriousness ralph somehow you're done i haven't had it yet oh it's there you'll get it some day you see barbara how right i was we can't keep off him End of chapter thirteen recording by expatriate in bangor maine